0: My name is Pastor Quint. I'm the executive pastor here, and I'm so grateful uh, to be at church this morning and to be with you. We are wrapping up our series called All These Things. If you've been following along the last couple of weeks, uh, we've been talking about money, about finances, about our careers, about all sorts of different stuff. And I just want to take a minute and, and tell you how honored and grateful I am to have prepared these three messages and to get the chance to share uh, from God's Word. I want you to know that I always take that very, very seriously. I, it's it's an honor and a privilege. Uh, to do uh, what I do, but also just to to teach the word at all in any space. But I especially uh, feel a certain level of like gravity and gratitude when I get to do it with my church family. So I just want you to know that. And actually, over the last couple of weeks as I was preparing these messages, a pastor friend of mine shared a post on Instagram or something. And the, the gist of the post said, let me just kind of read the summary to it. it. It pretty much said, if you choose to work in a church or in ministry, you should know that you will be required to work, okay? I was like, all right, all right, I like where this is going. I like where this is going. And then it said, church finances do not come from investors or from grants. They come from people's willing offerings, which is an act of their worship, Okay. And that's when I was like, whoa, like that is good. And this, this uh, post went on to explain like the very real challenges that there are in working in ministry. We always have this joke we say around here, or I say it anyways, never the same day twice. Like it's literally every day is different. You know, that's never, uh, there's a lot of like things that come at us that are very unpredictable or or unexpected. But I just want you to know that here at Erie First, We take the work part very seriously, okay? And as long as I get the opportunity to work here, as long as Pastor Nicole is our leader, I want you to know we will continue to take the work part of working at a church and in ministry very, very seriously. I know we've spent the last couple weeks talking about... All of our collective role in finances and what God calls us to and everything, but I wanted to just take a minute as we get ready to do this wrap up message and talk about like the end result and where it goes and how seriously we take stewarding your act of worship because that's really what we're talking about you uh, choose by faith to obey what this says and worship God in that way, and we have the uh, very real responsibility to make sure that that is not wasted but that is stewarded well so I wanted to uh, just level the table and let you know all of that. Um, so we have called this series all these things because we recognize that in this materialistic world in which we live, it, it stands in quite a contrast to what Jesus told us to do over in Matthew chapter six. Okay, Matthew six nineteen through thirty four was really the starting point for our conversation. But if you, if this is your first week, uh, let me just give you the brief recap of what we've learned. Over the last couple of uh, weeks. First of all, Jesus pretty much said, I know I'm paraphrasing here, but he said, do not worry about all this stuff. Do not get so caught up in earthly stresses, but live like kids who know who their father is, okay? If you're a bullet point person, here were our bullet points that we wrapped up with last week. Number one, we need to prioritize a heavenly-minded life, not an earthly-minded life. Number two, We need to keep doing new things with our Savior. And then number three, we need to mix our faith with our actions. And that is when the Holy Spirit will move through us. And lastly, number four from last week was we need to remember that we know who God is so we can operate with confidence in how God will work, okay? A few weeks ago, I had the chance to share a message, and I kind of ended with this line. It was really not specifically in my notes, but it, the way it came out, uh, it, I said, we live in a world that wants to, know, wants to make God a what God, but he's not a what God, he's a who God. We want to say what God will do, but God wants to be known, and when we know who God is, we can trust how God will work, okay? And so, you might remember from week one, we had kind of a, a second text from the Word that we were looking at, and that's where we're going to spend our time this morning. If you brought your Bibles, I would encourage you to open up to Second Peter chapter 1. As I got going and preparing this message, um, I almost kind of wanted to call it like all these things versus all those things, but that felt a little bit wordy or, or clunky. So, uh, But anyways, in 2 Peter chapter 1, what we read is Peter's instructions on all those things we should prioritize. If we're going to talk about this heavenly-minded life, well, then where is it spelled out very, very clearly for us? how we can grab that heavenly-minded life. And I believe it's so crystal clear right here in this passage we're going to spend our time in this morning, 2 Peter 1, 3 through 9. For just a little bit of context, though, I want you to know who the letter of of 2 Peter, both of them, but of 2 Peter was written to, okay? Because I think that will help us to understand what he was trying to get across. This letter was written to brand-new believers in Turkey. They were Gentiles. These were not Jewish people who had a background in religion, who understood the law, who understood things like that. They were brand new, okay? And so, when we read this, we can kind of get a vibe, get an understanding of like how he's trying to approach it. Truthfully, he's not assuming that these people know any of what we're about to, t- to study, okay? But he's making sure that they know all of it. So he is speaking on the most basic level. This is where you wanna build from. I want to just pause and say, if you are new to church, if you are new to Jesus, if you are new to the word, first of all, welcome, and we're so glad you're here. And second, if you're like, I don't really know where to start in the Bible, it doesn't feel like any of it's directly addressed to me, I have good news for you. First and second Peter are great examples, exhibit A, of of letters written directly to you, someone brand new who needs the building blocks to build on, okay? So we are going to read from there this morning, and then we're going to get going, In this message, let me just read to you, 2 Peter 1, 3-9. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world that is caused by evil desires." For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith, goodness, and to your goodness, knowledge, and to your knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, mutual affection, and to mutual affection, love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. Okay, so I feel like in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus tells us don't worry about getting all the stuff, don't worry about dying with the most toys, don't worry about an earthly minded life, but have a heavenly-minded life. And then we flip over here, and his right-hand man, Peter, literally spells out how we can do that, okay? It is almost like crystal clear. If you do this, then do this, and then do this. This is how you build this Christian life. If I had to ask you for one word, I'm not going to do that because then I won't hear everybody's individual words, but I'll just tell you mine. If I had to ask you for one word that these traits would describe in a person. If I told you I know someone who has faith, and that person also has goodness, and that person also has knowledge, and that person also has self-control, and I went down this entire list, what would the word be that would really sum up and describe that person? To me, the word is character. That person would possess an amazing amount of character, all right? And so I think that in our pursuit of how God would have us to live, These are legitimate building blocks, and they're written at the most basic level to the most basic uh, type of believer, and we can use them to build on our spiritual journey. Remember in week one, we talked about the importance of fundamentals, okay? Here are the fundamentals spelled out for us. And so let me just give you some examples of what that would look like in regards to our finances. You can do this with any aspect of your life. And we'll get to that here in a little bit, but we're talking about finances, career, et cetera, et cetera. So let's just start with the very first one. Uh, it, we're in verse five here. For this, very, uh, for this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness. So this would look like this. We would literally ask God, have I applied faith to my finances?" Have I and remember we learned last week that applying our faith means actually doing it. Okay, you might remember my jet ski story, but the Holy Spirit moves through us when our faith is met with our actions. That's those two things have to come together, and that is when the Holy Spirit moves through us. So that is how you would get a yes or a no on that very first question. God, have I applied faith in my finances? If the answer is yes, then we can move on to the next building block. God, have I applied goodness? to my finances? Am I giving with a good attitude? Am I spending money in good places? We can give and not do it with the right heart, okay? In, in Corinthians, the Bible tells us that God loves a cheerful giver. Uh, if you've ever read our Love Build Send book, though, this next little bit comes from that. In Genesis chapter 4, we actually read the first account of giving. It's Cain and Abel, okay? And if you remember that story, Genesis 4-3 says this, in the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. And Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor favor on Abel and his offering. But on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry and his face was downcast. I do not think this is uh, some type of statement about... Meat eaters versus vegetarians, okay? I don't think that's at all what's happening here. I think, though, that the, what you see right there in verse 3, in the course of time, Cain brought some, just some. Cain just brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering. But then you go on to verse 4, but Abel also brought an offering. It was fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. It was much more about the heart behind it. Cain was like, yeah, I'll do this sure, here you go. Abel was like, no, this is my, my God. I'm going to worship him. I'm going to take the time to select the best of the best. And so I think the question that we must ask in regards to the second building block of adding goodness is what is our heart posture when we give? Have we done the work to make sure that we are excited about, uh, grateful for the opportunity to worship God with our finances? Or are we reluctant? Are we frustrated? If we are, we are really missing the point. This is not about checking a box, okay? This is truly about an act of worship through our finances. So let's say we've applied our faith, we're giving, we've done the heart work, all right? Now we're onto this third building block. If that answer is yes, we can say, am I applying knowledge to my finances? What would that look like? I think that would look like this, asking ourselves, am I being a, a good steward? Am I learning how he would have me to use my career? Am I learning how he would have me to use my income? Yes, we should pray for guidance. Yes, we should wait to listen for his direction. We also can study. We also can learn things. We also can grow in those types of things. And we should. We should study. We should grow. In this subject, there is both a practical and a spiritual uh, component. And we need to be mature enough to to engage both sides of that, okay? So now we've, uh, we've applied knowledge. Next is a real fun one. Am I exercising self-control in my finances? What might that look like? That might look like this. God, did I take all that knowledge that I was excited about in the last step and get so obsessed with day trading on Robin Hood that I can't sleep at night and I need an intervention from my friends? Or do I put too much of my time or my money into my hobby? Or do I never do anything fun or recreational with my family because I'm so frugal? Or... Am I so fun and exciting that I never have any money left over because I'm always looking for the next party? These are real questions. We're talking about self-control, okay? These are valid questions. And so these are the types of questions we should ask ourselves in the interest of growing our self-control. Next would be, okay when we get self-control down, we can ask God, am I persevering? Am I just doing this out of routine, or am I actually still doing new things, excited, engaging you on the regular with what I'm doing, all right? Do I need to do something new with you in this area? And so you can see how you can actually take this text from 2 Peter 1 and lay it over this part of your life, any part of your life, as almost like the answer key to a test and ask yourself these questions of am I doing this? Am I doing that? How am I doing, all right? We're doing this with money and finances today, but you could do this with with your worship. You could do this with your relationships. You could do this with your marriage. You could do this really with any of the multifaceted things we've talked about over these last couple of weeks in your life. And frankly, we need to do this. We need to do more of this and let the Holy Spirit convict us so that we can grow and change in our spiritual journey, all right? These are traits that we should be developing, but the question is, are we develop, developing them? If you want an objective opinion, I would challenge you to ask a friend, ask your pastor, or maybe even ask your spouse, and then just listen and see what they have to say, all right? But truthfully, what we're after is accountability uh, in, in these areas, with, with these character traits in all areas of our life, okay? Over the last couple of weeks, we have had uh, we've been really blessed to hear from different people uh, who have shared their testimonies, and I don't want to break up that momentum in week number three. And so, um, as I was preparing this message, one testimony that I've heard from this church over my time here really stuck out to me, and I'm very grateful to welcome my friend Anthony Brown, who's going to share uh, kind of his journey and how through tithing, and and he'll I'll let him tell it, but through through tithing and through his journey with that, God actually developed so many of these exact character traits in him, and it's an awesome story. So would you welcome my friend Anthony? <laughs> Fresh off the campground. Thank you for coming, sir. And uh, let me get this out of your way. All right, so you can go ahead and correct anything that I'm gonna say here, and you will, but uh, if my memory was this, and this is when I called you and asked you if you would do this. I was so grateful. But truthfully, your... Uh, exposure to tithing really is what launched you on a journey that totally changed who you are as a person, correct? That's correct. All right. Well, go ahead and let them, let them hear this awesome, what God has done in your life.
1: Okay. Before talking about my tithes journey, I, uh, I, I want to share uh, briefly where I was at at that time. Um, I had gone through the death of my younger brother and best friend, the loss of several adoptions, the death of my father the death of my sister, the death of my wife, and the loss of a 20-year job, none of which I grieved. I used alcohol and gambling to mask the pain, and I knew that was a problem, but I didn't want to address it. Um, Just the fact that I can recite that in a short paragraph today uh, tells you probably where I'm at now in my life. Uh, I've been able to grieve, and, and, and that was the place I was at at that time, though. Uh, I started attending a men's group about that time, and here here at the church, uh, because my wife was attending the women's study, and I was trying to change the direction of my life. I had been attending for several months when the topic of tithing came up. The men on the panel were discussing their experience with tithing. I knew the term, and my wife was tithing her finances, but it wasn't something I was doing or even interested in doing. One of the men even talked about making the decision to tithe on his unemployment. When I relay this story in other settings, I say one idiot talked about tithing his unemployment, but that wouldn't be very nice to say in this setting, and that person is here today. (laughs) Uh, And then everything changed at that meeting. One of the men, uh, Chuck, spoke up and recited Malachi 310. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse so that there is, will be enough food in my temple. If you do so, says the Lord of Heaven's army, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. Hmm. Okay, a challenge. In my arrogance, I accepted the challenge and went home that evening and typed a tithe into my computer for when my next paycheck came. Um, I want to pause here and, and just say to you, that one man who had that verse in his mind and was able to recite that at that time changed everything for my life. Don't ever forget that the Word of God is very powerful. Amen. When the time was getting close, I was sitting on my couch in the morning doing a devotion and reflecting. In my prayers, I asked God, where the money was coming from, from from my tithe. Immediately, an answer came back. It wasn't audible, but it was very clear. You spend a lot of money on alcohol. Okay, so much for my arrogance. I wasn't turning back, but but now I had to figure out a way to quit drinking. I had been excessively drinking since 1994, and this was 2012. The next week I was doing a devotion and studying Joshua. Many things stood out, but I will mention two verses to keep this short. Joshua 1, 3. I promise you what I promised Moses. Wherever you set foot, you will be on the land I have given you. The first verse was a promise that I took hold of. I know that this verse was delivered to Joshua. but It became a verse I cling to. My journey with alcohol was going to require me to do some work. However, as long as I kept moving forward, God was paving the way. Joshua 3:15 is the second verse. It was the harvest season and the Jordan was overflowing its banks. But as soon as the feet of the priests who were carrying the ark touched the water at the river's edge, the water above that point began backing up a great distance away at a town called Adam. The only thing keeping the Israelites from the promised land was the overflowing banks of the river. What do you do when the only thing keeping you from the promised land is your Jordan River? Hmm. You step in and God will clear a path. No, they had to step in before the river dried up. They had to trust. However, notice one other thing. The water stopped some 15 to 20 miles upstream. God was already preparing the way. That same thing was happening to me. Remember the last part of the Malachi verse. If you do say the lords of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. Here are the blessings that came rapidly for me. Dave, a co-worker, was already taking me through or talking to me about alcohol. Actually, I found out soon enough that I had been going through a personal AA program with him without even knowing it. For about six months, he was actually taking me through an Alcoholics Anonymous program, and it was anonymous to me. (laughs) Uh, Howard, a member of our men's group, invited, invited me to breakfast. For the next four years, Howard became a very close friend and mentor. We had breakfast every week for those years until he passed away. He was 20 years my senior, so he could teach me the path of Christianity. Um, that actually happened the very week of all this going on was my first breakfast with Howard. And um, boy, he was just a, uh, a great man. And he, he was very direct. He um, yelled at me several times. My wife knows about one of them that was a very important time when I had cancer, and wasn't really sharing enough with my wife. Um, He was direct and he taught me to be that way. I think some of my friends here might think that I learned that too well, but um, that was Howard. Um, Damon, a pastor who had just retired, entered my life through a program called Celebrate Recovery that was just starting in the area. I was a member of the first group to start in the Erie area. I meet with Damon weekly to this day and it's 11 years later. If I have a question, Damon has a biblical answer. So you can see right away my blessings from the tithing came in the, uh, the gift of people. Um, one of the things as I was beginning this journey is I realized I didn't have any friends. Um, I had acquaintances, and I had wrote down in my journal, Lord, bring me one friend. Uh, as you can see, that was, there was a lot more than that that, that, that was given to me. Um, These things all happened in the first months of my recovery. As I learned how to live in recovery, many other things have been poured out. One of the things I left out earlier is my daughter was pregnant at 14. This was another contributing factor to my drinking, and our relationship was severely damaged, along with the hurdle of my new marriage. Today, the result of that pregnancy is a 13-year-old grandson that is the joy of my life. When my daughter told me she was pregnant, it was one of the worst days of my life, and it increased my drinking. Today, I have a great lesson. I know now what God sees. On my worst day, where I saw only challenges and problems and lost hope, God saw so much more. On my worst day, God saw my relationship today. I can't even imagine my life without that young man in it. Think about that the next time you have struggles or challenges. Think about what God sees, not what your limited view sees. Ephesians 3.20, now all the glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infin- infinitely more than we might ask or think. Uh, the New King, King James Version of that uses the term exceedingly abundantly, and I really like that word, those words. When I started this journey, I would have been happy to have alcohol out of my life and a few friends. But God has poured out so much blessing, there is not enough room for it. I also have two granddaughters. If that isn't exceedingly abundantly above, I don't know what is. I recognized immediately that the help came to me through people. I wanted to be used by God to help others. Why would he lead me through this if he didn't want to use me? I became a chaplain with the Billy Graham Association and received training in crisis intervention, pastoral care, grief-falling trauma, suicide awareness, and many other courses. I have been able to use this training in my everyday life when others face crises. I was able to heal from my past, and I now know how to grieve. Um, A couple of the things that happened during this journey, one one especially was that uh, my mom died And um, I was able to grieve that properly. I didn't, uh, it wasn't stuck in the the past. I know how to grieve. And that was very important, uh, learning that and and learning that experience. Only God could have provided this path. I could go on and on, but I will end with this. My first wife died of a heart attack in front of my then 10-year-old daughter. When I remarried, my daughter was not very accepting of my new wife, Vicki. This past Sunday, while riding home in the car with my wife, she read me a text from my daughter. It said, Happy Mother's Day. I couldn't have asked for anyone better in my life. Love you. Yes, exceedingly abundantly. All this came from an arrogant test. Um, I would be, uh, as long as I have the stage for a second, um, I'm going to just share one thing. On Thursday nights, you heard the term celebrate recovery in here a couple times. On Thursday nights at 6.30 over at the summit, we have a celebrate recovery ministry. Um, and if there's something that's keeping you from, from all God wants in your life and stealing your joy and peace, uh, stop over and on Thursday nights at 6.30 and learn about celebrate recovery. Uh, thanks. Thank you so much, Anthony.
0: Do you know what it's really hard to argue with? It's really hard to argue with a changed life. And um, I I know the first half of this message, very practical, right? Very, if you have faith, add goodness. If we have goodness, add knowledge. I understand. It's very like the answer key to a test, right? Just all facts, no feelings, right? And then you hear that. Oh, because someone said Malachi 310. And how good is God that in Anthony's ignorance, in his naivety, in his off-track intentions, I'll show God. Look what God did, right? Look what God did. And I'm so grateful. I'm so encouraged by that. I'm so encouraged uh, from Mark last week, Virginia, uh, the first week. I just, I, I love to share and to hear what God is doing among the people we just sit with every week, but we don't just sit with each other. We're doing life together, and God's moving in our lives. I had someone come up to me last week and say, hey, I got to tell you this, but like, listen, I, I don't want to be on stage. And I was like, yo, <laughs> it's not a given, all right? Like, I promise that's not, it's not a trick, okay? But I'm so grateful to all three of you for sharing your testimonies, and I'm so grateful for uh, just all, this, all the testimonies. We could go around this room. That's what I love about about the church, and that's what I love about God, is that we could go around this room and we could share story after story, testimony after testimony. In, in Revelation 12, 11, it says, "'They triumphed over him by the blood of the lamb "'and by the word of their testimony. "'They did not love their lives so much "'as to shrink from death.'" I could do an hour on that last line, but let's just talk about uh, the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. The reality is this, these testimonies that we've heard and that we could go around and share are examples of this. We are hearing from fellow believers and the work that Jesus Christ is doing in their lives. And that is intended to build up each and every one of us. Okay, so that when the enemy tries to come against us, when we engage in acts of obedience and and following and and putting our faith with action and doing what the Lord has, has called us to do as worshipers, yes, with our money, so that when the enemy comes against us and tries to get us off track, we can say, wait, 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 the blood of the Lamb, Jesus Christ, has gone before, and the word of their testimony, the the faith that has been built up by those who have shared and gone before, I'm gonna, I might not have the faith for it, but I'm gonna borrow that. I'm gonna borrow that faith, and I'm gonna use that to get through this hard season. And so that is why we do this, and that is why we share it. Let me just read to you the closing from 2 Peter 1, uh, 3 through 11. So I'm just going to read uh, 9, 10, and 11 here. All right, I'm sorry, 10 and 11. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. For if you do these things, you will never stumble, and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Okay. The message translation says it this way, do this and you will have your life on firm footing. Remember, Peter's writing to the most basic of believers at the most basic level. And he's saying, add all these traits and build up your character as Christ would have you to behave and to conduct yourselves. And these are the things that you should aspire towards. And yes, you will fail and you'll have to relearn them and you'll, uh, you know, you need people and accountability to do all of this, right? But focus on these traits, and you will have your life on firm footing. And that is our goal. The heart behind that line, you will never stumble, or you will have your life on firm footing. The heart behind it is one of being headed in the correct direction. Okay, let's be headed in the correct direction. That's what we've been building on since week one, when we said live with a heavenly-minded perspective okay from the very beginning that has been our focus and what we've been talking about and so today it's my prayer that for everyone in here that we are seeing these traits that are laid out before us and we feel challenged to aspire to them and try to 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 build on that foundation in our own personal lives absolutely we won't always get it right we will have to relearn things we will have to retry things hopefully decades into our relationship with Christ we're still doing new things with Jesus right We should all aspire for that, but when it all comes down to it, we know that when we strive to do life how Christ told us to, how Peter is explaining to us, we will be be building in a correct and positive direction, and that's what we need to focus on. So my parting thought, three weeks of messages comes down to this final paragraph, okay? My parting thought to sum up all of this would be a bit of a challenge, If you have never consistently given a portion of your finances to God and to his kingdom causes, I want to challenge you to take that step in your faith journey. I want to challenge you to claim that territory in your walk with Jesus. Okay, church? I want you to take God at his word. I want you to see what he will do with your obedience But don't do it out of duty. Don't do it out of obligation. Pray your way through it. And after you've prayed and you've landed in a good place and you've come to the understanding that giving is an act of worship, take the step, okay? It is amazing what he can and does do with our obedient yes. We've read it in his word. We've shared stories from right inside our own church. And now it's time for us to join in. It's time for you to join in. And see what God's going to do in your story as you obey him. So let me pray to that end. I thank you so much for following along these last three weeks. It has been a privilege to share these messages. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for the power of a changed life. We thank you for the power of testimony that is through your blood on the cross. And and the word of our testimony that we continue to triumph over the evil one. And so I just thank you for the the stories that we've heard and the stories that you're writing right now in this place. And I pray that you would give every single person in here a, a new measure of faith to engage this part of their spiritual journey with you. A new measure of faith to give in ways they haven't given, to give for the first time if they've never given, and to trust you and see that you will do exceedingly and abundantly more than we can ask or imagine because it's not about our finances. It's about our heart and you are after our heart and so lord we choose to worship you in all areas we I praise you and we thank you